Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. We're beginning a brand new series of messages this week, and it's entitled Kingdom Living. My name is Pastor Chris, and if it's your first time here, uh, you've chosen a great time to join us. And uh, we're excited to be able to jump into uh, this series of messages called Kingdom Living. You see, the idea of the kingdom of God is what this whole series is going to be based off of. And this is the term that we hear a lot. And if you've been a Christian or gone to church for a long time, you hear this term like the kingdom of God. And we sometimes can not fully understand what we mean when we say that. And so we're first going to understand that a bit more over the next several weeks. But it's even more important that we don't just understand it, but we actually begin to live out the way Jesus called his followers to live out the kingdom of God. And that's why we call this series Kingdom Living. And so as we do that, I want to bring you to a passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Matthew 3. You can put your finger there, and then you can also make sure you get Colossians chapter 3 as well ready, because we'll spend most of our time in Colossians uh, this morning. So we're thinking here, there's this short verse that is stated in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. And a couple weeks ago, I talked to you on uh, one of our messages of our overflow series about this, uh, that down by the Jordan River, before Jesus ever started on his ministry, there was a man named John the Baptist that went before him. Uh, he was called a forerunner. He was one that was meant to go and literally prepare the way by beginning to tell people to get ready because Jesus is coming. And he says this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God in some of your translations is at hand. Repent means turn around, uh, change your life, change your direction, turn from something, turn to. So turn to God uh, because the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Is at hand literally translates to mean is among us, is among us right now. And so he's preparing the way because Jesus is coming. And as Jesus enters into his ministry, uh, Jesus was beautiful at this idea of show and tell. He wasn't just going to tell them about the kingdom. He was going to show them what it looked like. And when I think about this, when I think about this idea that something strange is happening down in a wilderness that no one really wants to hang out in anymore, it was down by uh, the Jordan River, but it's really a wilderness. It's not a place where many people would be. John the Baptist is kind of walking around this wilderness, and you know something significant is about to happen. It reminds me of something that happened over 50 years ago in central Florida. And as we're all thinking about Florida, I think it's appropriate to maybe tell you this story. 50 years ago, the early 1960s, in central Florida, there's only swampland in this one portion. It's all swampland. But this one business would come through, and they'd say, I'll buy some of that swampland for $80. I'll buy an acre of it for 80 And then they bought another acre. And then another business came over, and they bought some more acres of it. And, and, and there was just all these businesses, all these names, all these titles that are buying all this swampland. And they're buying it at, at incredible amounts. Before long, there's almost 30,000 acres of swampland that are purchased by all these different corporations or companies. Well, little did they know that right after they buy the last piece of land, they merge all the companies together, and they find out it's all been Walt Disney the whole time. And that's how Disney World was formed. Uh, you see, he was so successful over in Los Angeles that they knew they needed to create another area, but they were so landlocked there. And they targeted Central Florida swampland. And he knew something could come out of that wilderness, something great. You see, he envisioned something that no one else could see in that place or in that time. 
And he began to secure it and purchase it and make it possible. And if you followed any of history of Walt Disney World, he's one of the great inventors, one of the great leaders of, uh, of, of our history in America uh, because of his creativity and his ingenuity and his vision. He could see something that no one else could see. So he saw this swampland and he saw something so much greater. He actually saw a kingdom, a magic kingdom. Uh, he saw, he saw a, a place for families to literally escape to. He said, I want to have so much land that you would literally drive onto the property and you'd be escaping from everything else. Uh, that literally when you drove on, that all the land around all the parks would be ours. We could create this whole sensory experience that when people leave their worlds and the busyness of life, that they would literally enter into a whole new world, Disney World. So he creates this kingdom, he creates this place, and, uh, and he shows it. Uh, to the world, and he begins to tell them about it. There's actually, I have a hero for one of the first maps that was ever envisioned, and it'll be up here on the screen, of what the magic kingdom would look like. And it was literally just him drawing and writing and imagining kind of this kingdom would happen. Well, little do we know that how many of us, can I see some show of hands around the room, how many of you have ever stepped foot into this world? Anyone? Yeah. So you see now, if you look at a picture of the Magic Kingdom, it's not just a picture. There's actually a castle and a kingdom, and they call it the Magic Kingdom, and millions of people every year, they flood there. And if you're like some of us, and, you, and I won't tell you who, but a few of us are sitting on the front row here, uh, we are like, yeah, let's escape to that kingdom every now and again, and let's just go, and let's just get swept up in it. And then whenever we feel like we want to get a little taste of that kingdom, we'll go to the Menlo Park Mall and walk into the Disney store, and uh, we'll be in the kingdom again, uh, and we'll experience just a glimpse of that. And as I think about that and as I talk about that, um, I just think it is a great picture of a spiritual truth that we face is that you need to know that there's a kingdom that our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ has come and he established here on earth 2,000 years ago. And whenever he came, the kingdom of God broke in. And this is a place that he has for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That place is not just a figurative place. It's a real place that he's prepared for us. It's the hope of eternity, the hope of heaven. When I said Jesus overcame the grave, for you it said he overcame death. That means that at the end of this life, this isn't the end. Come on, someone. This isn't the end of the road for you, that there is a promise of eternity with God forever. That's the hope of heaven. And when Jesus came, he was teaching about the kingdom of God. He was talking about this. A kingdom that they could not fully see, they could not fully realize, but yet he's saying it's right here. He said this, basically. It's already, but it's not yet. It's here, but not yet. You can't fully see it. And the best way I could remember saying this was I, I shared with you this very concept back when we were going through the Lord's Prayer back in January. And at that time, we were awaiting on the arrival of our baby, our beautiful baby, Josiah. And as we're waiting, I told you this. I said that the kingdom of God is kind of like pregnancy. It's already, but not yet. And I said, Josiah's here, but he's not yet here. Uh, we can see him. We can feel him. We can understand that. And Mandy, you know, we were realizing it. But guess what? There was a day that came that we saw him face to face and that we saw the full reality of that when that birth took place. And what's amazing is one of my best friends from my childhood, Sean uh, Gala, uh, we grew up together. You've heard a lot of stories about Sean. Um, he's the one that lived right next to me. And as I came to Christ at 16 years old, I was an atheist. Sean was an atheist. We literally lived in a row of apartments that touched up against one another. And uh, 
Sean was the first person that ever came to the Lord after I got saved, and it was the hardest person I've ever led to the Lord uh, because I actually gave up. I was like, I'm done, and Sean, the Lord still grabbed a hold of him, but Sean has uh, gone on to do incredible things. We went to college together. We both started dating some lovely girls almost the same month while we were in college as roommates, and we went on to marry those lovely ladies, and uh, Sean and his wife Carly are here. Would you guys stand up? And... Uh, and what's amazing is Sean serving the Lord in ministry today. He's a pastor right outside of Washington, D.C. And what's even more amazing, and you've got to get up for this, is that they're expecting their first child, their first baby uh, on the way. And so as I talk about it, Carly, he's already, but he's not yet. He's, it's this already, but not yet, that we can see glimpses. And as the time gets closer, you see more and more until that day comes when you see face to face. Are you following me today, church? Are you with me? That's weak. Okay, I'm going to try. You got, you got to give me a little more affirmation today because uh, we're talking about the kingdom of God. So critical. And the reason I'm taking some time on this because this is going to really set us up for the whole series of messages. So when Jesus came, Jesus was a master of show and tell. I asked first service. Uh, I think we need to start some letter writing campaigns in the foyer. I heard they shut down show and tell uh, in schools. So they don't do show and tell anymore like we used to when I was a kid. But they had something called show and tell. You'd bring in something, you'd show it to the class, and you'd talk about it. Jesus, he was like that as well. Jesus was a master of show and tell when it came to the kingdom of God. He didn't just talk about the kingdom. He showed them what it looked like. And so when he showed them what it looked like, it was, it was kind of like this. There was a man that's paralyzed, and he's being carried uh, there, and he's sitting on a mat. And Jesus then says, get up, take your mat, and walk. And the man's healed instantly. He walks in. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he begins to talk about what they just saw. What they saw in that supernatural miracle was a picture of the kingdom of God. It was a picture of the world the, that God had always intended. It's a, it's a picture of what they have to look forward to in eternity. I want to tell you that some of you, you're looking in the mirror, and you're not happy with what you're seeing. You saw yourself five years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, and it was a lot prettier. It was a lot better. It was a lot different. You see kind of a deterioration. Here's the hope for you. Don't worry because this is not the end. Uh, that God has a new a body, a new hope. He has the hope of eternity for us and it's so vitally important that we understand that and that we don't just get it, that we live it and we live as though we know and understand that. You see, when something happens in the Gospels, whenever there's a healing, when there's a miracle, it's a picture of the kingdom of God at work. Jesus then teaches, and he talks about it, but he shows and he tells. And then Jesus said to his followers, you're going to do greater things than me. And so the goal of the church is that we're still meant to be an expression of the kingdom of God here on earth, that when people see us, they should see a glimpse of heaven. When they come into here and we're worshiping the Lord, it should be a touch of heaven as we're in God's presence. God has made his presence available to us. The veil is not there anymore. There isn't a wall that separates us. The spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and at work in me. So when people see me, they should see him. They should see the kingdom of God working and moving in our lives. And when we get a chance to see the supernatural, and that doesn't happen every day, but I want to tell you, I believe that it's going to happen more and more um, as, as we go through these days. When we see that, um, we're seeing a picture of the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, a few weeks ago, something happened here in our first service, and some of you saw it with your own eyes. It was amazing. Uh, we were having our baptism service, and we felt, I was talking to one of our pastors, and uh, she said to me, you know, I feel like there's just an anointing in the room that God would just want to want to heal and touch someone's life. And we we're going into a song, Jesus, I Come. It's a song we've been singing for a few weeks. And I got up and I said, you know what? I feel that we should just open the altars. And you just come. If you need healing physically, spiritually, emotionally, you come forward and just pray. 
Well, there's a lady named Loretta, and I've gotten to know Loretta over the last five or six years. She's been going to Evangel for a long time. I'm not sure all of what's going on in Loretta's life, but all that I do know is when I need to talk to Loretta, I normally have to get down on my knee because she's hunched over, and she has a motorized wheelchair, and she's dropped off in a, uh, in a bus here every week, and she's been coming and going. And What I didn't know until after what happened a few Sundays ago was that as Pastor Rick, our new worship pastor, was uh, joining us, and he was actually going through the candidating process and really sensing if this was of the Lord or not, one of those weeks that he was here leading us before he came on staff, he walked by her, and she said, excuse me, sir, are you that man that was leading up there today? And he said he was half afraid to to answer her, wondering what she was going to say next. He said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, well, you better just keep bringing it. She said, because I'm about to get out of this uh, this wheelchair and start dancing. And he said, when you do, I'm going to buy you some dancing shoes, you know, ma'am. And then a couple months after that, she sees one of our other pastors, Pastor Ron, and she's like, man, I feel God's presence. And one day I'm just going to walk out of this wheelchair. Two weeks ago, Loretta, whenever we gave that call, she came right up here in that wheelchair. And she's crying and weeping and just praying. And uh, Pastor Marsha is standing right next to her, and she grabs me, and she said, she said she's getting out of this wheelchair. I said, what'd she say? (laughs) She's getting out of this wheelchair. I said, oh, hold on. I grabbed one of our deacons. I sent them over. And our sister Loretta, she stood up for the first time I've ever seen her stand up in years. Not only did she stand up, she did a little like dance jig, just like she said she would. And then she got back in her wheelchair and she went away. And it's kind of like, what just happened? Why isn't Loretta running circles around the building? You know, what, what, what was that? You know what it was? It was a picture of the kingdom of God at hand. It was a picture of, of what she is going to have to know and see and experience for all eternity. Because I want to tell you, that, that wheelchair ain't going to heaven with her. Come on, somebody, it ain't happening. It doesn't go that way. It doesn't happen that way. And so what God will do at times in his presence will give you a glimpse of the kingdom of God at hand. And I was so excited after our last service. Uh, one of our, our staff members ran up to me and said, you got you to gotta hear this story. And so I'm telling the story, and a few of the people were in the room that were a part of this. Uh, but there was a group of our young adults on Friday night, I believe it was. Come on, Janine, Friday night? They're in a diner in Westfield, Right? I'm just going to keep looking at you so I don't take any liberties on the story. They're there, and they're having a conversation like, we need to be bolder in our faith. We need to be more bold. And we have a few of our students and young adults that God has blessed them with incredible creativity and uh, popularity online. So they noticed a couple of them because they make videos on YouTube or whatever, and they're talking to a few of these high school students. And then they felt like, you know what, let's go over and let's just pray for them. Let's just pray if any of them would need healing or need a touch from God in their body. So a group of these young adults from our church right here, walk over to a group of high school students they've never met before, and I believe their mother was with them as well. And they said, we just, we love the Lord, and we just feel like we need to pray for you. Is there anyone here that you need uh, a touch from God? You need healing in your body? And one of the girls just starts breaking down crying for a long time uh, before that. She had been in the hospital. She had an, in, an internal bleeding issue that when she went to the bathroom, there was just blood. And I didn't mean to get that graphic, but it's for the story. It's important that you know that. Um, She's there, and they said, all right, well, we're going to pray. They begin to pray, and right as they end, that girl runs out of the room, and a girl runs with her. She runs into the bathroom, and they come out like for the first time ever. There's no blood. <laughs> There's no blood. And Janine's right there, Janine, who just spent time in Mozambique, Africa, uh, learning that that's, man, we're just going to see God's kingdom moving. Didn't you see it? You saw the kingdom of God at hand in Mozambique, didn't you? You saw it, and, and that's what God desires to do. And I want you to know something today. That's something that might scare some. You don't need to be afraid of that because we read it here all the time. 
The church that we see in the book of Acts is meant to look like the church of today. If something is dysfunctional or wrong because we're not seeing that. We shouldn't be troubled when we see it. We should be troubled when we're not seeing it, church. And so we believe for that, and we stand, and we're not trying to put on a show, but we just want to be obedient to what God's word says. And therefore, as we go and as we're obedient, the kingdom of God, we get pictures, glimpses of that. And as we see that, it's a beautiful picture of what's happening. And so I want to bring you to God's word today in Colossians. So flip with me to Colossians chapter 3. And in Colossians chapter 3 here, we see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to a church in Colossae, a group of believers, and he's giving them some different instructions about how they are to live their lives. And it's so important um, that they're able to understand some of these things. So I'm going to read it to you first, and then we're going to talk some more about it. But look what he says. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, Colossians 3.1, Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, verse 2. For you died to this life in your real life. Someone say real life. Is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that you would communicate by your Holy Spirit what I would not be able to communicate to every heart, to every life. Lord, help us to take this passage here, and may we not just read it, may we begin to live it. In Jesus' name, amen. This is so vitally important. This grounds us for this entire series of messages. It's this challenge that something needs to change about the way we think. Something needs to change about our perspective and where we've been looking and how we even understand the life that we've been living. You know, I think about it like this, that you and I, um, something happened when we came into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We'd say, yes, our sins were forgiven. Yes, um, all these different things happened. But something else happened that we really never talk about. And I want to tell you this, that something happened about your citizenship. Now, some of you, because I know we come from all different places of the world, and I love the expression of the body here at Evangel Church. Um, and someone else, can we just... Praise God for that, because it's a miracle how God has brought people from every corner of the world to worship here. And so you know what I'm talking about when I talk about this idea of citizenship. Some of you are praying and asking God to, uh, to allow that to work out. You're here on visa, you're here on different means, and you're praying, Lord, um, Lord, I want to be a citizen of these United States. Um, some of you, you're dual citizens. Can I just see anyone here? Put your hand up if you're a dual citizen. You have dual citizenship in two, uh, two places right now. Let me see. Keep your hand up for a moment. Great. So here's the deal. Spiritually, every person that's a, a follower of Jesus Christ, we have dual citizenship. We have dual citizenship. Our, our citizenship is in this world, and yet it's in the kingdom of God. And here's, here's, here's how I know that, because God's word says it. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, here's what it says. He, God, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he's transferred us not will transfer us, has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. When our sins were forgiven, this is what happened. God took us and we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. But here's the problem with it. We are in this world still, but our true home is in heaven. This is the truth. This is the reality of it. And here's what the picture that I kind of got as I've been thinking about this. Anyone know what this is? Let me hear it. A passport. This is my passport. So, Mandy, we're going to put it back in the lockbox after I get home. I'm sitting on my table for a couple of days waiting for this. 
And so as I had this passport, I got this before Mandy and I got married. I made sure we had it because we were going out of the country for, um, for our honeymoon. So I got this. And here's what happens with a passport. Many of you know. Some of you have multiple passports. Um, or if you watch one of those spy movies, you have like a thousand passports because you're a spy. Uh, I don't think we have any of those here. But as you go through it and you look, I have all these different um, notifications. I have all these pages. And the pages tell stories of where I've been, where I've traveled to, and where I've been in a very temporary time. So the first one I got was whenever I left the country uh, then. And then a couple months later, um, when I just had my lovely newlywed wife, I left for 10 days and went to South Africa uh, with this young adults ministry here. And we saw a well dug. And then a year later, we went to Togo, West Africa, where we saw that video about Operation Christmas Child in Ghana. And we saw some more wells get dug and do missions work. Then we went back to, uh, to South Africa. And then I have... I uh, went to a few places, uh, went back to Mexico, and then went to Israel. And so this is just kind of the story of all those places I've kind of been in a very temporary uh, time. But it tells me something when you look at it, that my true citizenship is here. There's a picture that we need to realize, that I think this is how we treat kind of our walk with God, this is how we treat our relationship with God, is that, you know, yeah, this is like our, this is our real home, And then every now and again, you know, I go to church on Sunday, and then I went on that missions trip, and then I did this, and then I did that. And and I need you to know that when you get to heaven, here's what you're going to realize. You're going to realize where your real citizenship has been all along since you accepted Jesus. And you're going to go back, and you're going to look, and your whole life is going to be just with a little stamp on a page. And you're going to say, wow, my life was this, and this was what I had, the hope of eternity. God's Word says that our life is like a, a breath. It's like a vapor. That's how short it is. You, you realize you, we put so much stock as if it's the whole thing right now. This is everything. This is nothing compared to eternity with God. Are you following me, church? This is it. This is it. And this is what we have to get into our minds, where our real citizenship is. And I thought about this because we have a couple, and I don't know if they're here today, if they were in first or second service, but I had the privilege of, of marrying them a few weeks ago. And they were going on their honeymoon to Aruba. Well, I don't know if you know what was happening in Aruba a couple weeks ago, but a terrible storm hit. And so this lovely couple, they head there, they've planned, they went on their honeymoon, they stamped the passport, they were there, and then the storm hits. And they actually show a picture of the before and the after of that storm. And it's like beautiful, pristine, you know, all the nice straw huts and all that, and then you see after. You don't, I don't need to say any more, do I? It's underwater, it's all torn apart, it's decimated. And that's really disappointing, right? That'd be pretty disappointing that you had such a bad storm. But you know what you can say at the end of the day? Anytime we've gone on vacation, anytime we've gone anywhere, and we say, you know what, oh, man, the storms have come, and it's so bad. Here's what we say, but we're going home. (laughs) This is just temporary. We're going to be there forever. Do you realize that that's the perspective that God desires us to have in this life? That we may face storms. You may face the biggest storm you've ever faced in your life. You may feel like it's tearing everything apart. But when you look through the eyes that God calls us to see it with, it's true like this. You know what? Yeah, this is a storm, but it's just temporary. Some of you are facing storms. This is my whole life. No, it's just temporary if you're in Christ. Whatever affliction you have, it is nothing compared to the glory, the Bible says, it's about to be revealed in Christ Jesus. And so for us to get this, something has to change. Our perspective has to change. The way we see it has to change. Let's go right back there again to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Think about this. What does he say? Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights, your perspective on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, your real life. 
the true life is hidden with Christ in God, in his kingdom. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you're going to share in all his glory. That's the promise of God's word. That's the promise of the kingdom of God that we have to look forward to, and yet we're living in the midst of, of what it means today. We have this dual citizenship. We're not yet fully there, and yet we must be there. Come on, someone. We have to. We have to. He says, set your sights there. Set your perspective there. And I've realized this, that something's happened. You know, in our world today, in just the last few years, there's been so many changes in technology, and some of them are not for the better. One of them is, is scary. There's a new term that some of you are going to hear, and you know it. Some of you are going to get real convicted in about two minutes, so get ready, okay? It's called binge watching. Do you know what I'm talking about? Has anyone heard that term before? It is, uh, in, it is where you can turn on Netflix, and you can bury your face in the screen, uh, and you can watch eight years of television that took to produce it in two days, and somehow feel maybe good about yourself. I don't know if anyone does at the end. But it's just about getting buried and lost in that, right? And I think anyone uh, that kind of has access to some streaming media service, you can just get buried in the screen. I think about children that have issues adjusting, and they just get buried in a virtual world of screens, of games, of these kinds of things, and, and it just gets swept away. And it's not me. Listen, it's not me condemning any of those things. I got Netflix. I'm not going to watch it right now, so I hope you're not watching it while I'm preaching. Um, but there's more to life than, you know, watching Gilmore Girls 500 times, right? Uh, but you see it. But here's what I also have realized. that Sometimes, it's normally, as I've counseled with a few people and talked to them, it's during seasons of depression, seasons where you feel like the weight of the world's kind of pressing against you, that you just get lost in a screen. Maybe you're here today, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Whenever the pressures of life come, it pushes you down into a screen. It pushes you down where you just kind of want to get lost somewhere. You want to get lost in something, and you need to know that it's a, it's, a, it's a method of escape from what you're dealing with. And so whatever it is, and we have these now, and you just get lost. You get lost in social media. Some of you, you know, you're having heart attacks every time you open your Facebook page. You've been unfriending more people than you've ever unfriended before in your life, right? But it's about this idea that we're kind of escaping into that. We're going down into like a false sense of reality. Some of us, we're just getting caught up in so much of what's happening in the world around us right now. It's just, it's just influencing you. It's affecting you. It's shaping you. It's causing all kinds of these feelings to kind of swell up in you. And you're being conditioned by all those things that you're seeing, all those things that you're experiencing, all the onslaught of all the opinions, all the articles, all the headlines, all the everything. And I've never seen it like it is right now. And in the midst of that, we're so caught up in it. Our eyes are there all the time. God says in his word, we've got to change our perspective, church. Our eyes got to be somewhere else. Our minds have to be somewhere else. If our perspective doesn't change, I believe nothing is going to change. Sometimes the biggest thing that has to change isn't that the mountain needs to move, but that something in us has to happen. And I was at a men's breakfast yesterday morning, and, uh, and one of those that were speaking was uh, an amazing leader in our church, Dave Van Brunt, and he's sitting right back here. And uh, sorry, Dave, I, didn't, I won't give you a licensing fee for this, but I'm taking one of your stories. Uh, I, heard it, I heard this story that he shared to our men yesterday in the morning. I said, that is perfect for tomorrow's word. And uh, Dave is a Christian magician. If you don't know this, many of the children in the room, they know that because Dave will come by and uh, just be such an encouragement to many of your children. So you might get a line after service today, okay? Uh, so Dave, Dave is a Christian magician, so he does these illusions. And one of those that he talked about 
was someone that's very famous, David Copperfield. David Copperfield in 1983 did something stunning. Does anyone know what it is? He made the Statue of Liberty disappear. Some of you are saying, what, he did? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Anyone see that on television when it happened? Let me see your hands. Come on. It's okay. It's only 1983. It was only 32 years ago. Uh, So he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. This was amazing. I mean, it shocked the world. It shocked me when I saw it. I'm going to put on the video, and you can just kind of watch it as it's happening here, and I'll explain it to you. He took a team of people, and I think we said something like 20 people or more, tourists and others, sat them down right there on Liberty Island. He went there. He had a radar that was showing where it was. He put his hand over the radar to make the statue kind of disappear, and all the people are sitting there live. It's also being filmed at the same exact time. He's sitting there. He has it. He has a ring of light around the statue. He has helicopters circling around it. And as he gets up and as he looks there, he says, it's time to bring it down. And when it comes down, there's no more Statue of Liberty. This is the real Statue of Liberty. This is really Liberty Island. You don't look as amazed as First Service did. (laughs) Maybe you're in shock. Maybe you're speechless. People didn't know what to do. People were beside themselves. I was beside myself when I saw it. There's a ring of lights where the Statue of Liberty was, and, the, and Lady Liberty isn't there. She might have run back to France. We didn't know what happened to her. Anyone that was watching, you're just going crazy over it, and you're wondering, what in the world just took place? And so the people are there. They're looking through this, and they're just beside themselves. What just happened? He didn't move the Statue of Liberty. You know what he did? He moved them. So they're sitting on a rotating base, all those people. And they're looking, and as they're looking, and as he's going through the motions, it's just turning. And Lady Liberty's over here. And they turn here, and when they drop the thing, it's gone! There's no more statue! Oh, they're clapping, they're going crazy, they're like, where is the statue? It's right here. I want to tell you something. Sometimes God isn't about to change your circumstance, he's just going to change your perspective. And he just needs to change your perspective. And once he changes your perspective, it changes everything. And that's what he's going to do. That's what he's in. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He said this, set your eyes on somewhere else. Quit looking here. Start looking here. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Where Christ is there at the place of honor, at the place of authority. Quit looking to the leaders of this land and start looking to your king. Start looking to him. Start letting your life not be shaped by everyone around you. Let it be shaped by him and his heart and what he has for you. That's what it means. And if we don't allow our perspective to be changed, nothing else will change. It's about changing the way we think. We'll eventually change the way that we live out our lives. It says, I invite the worship team to come forward at this time. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you're going to be able to learn and know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Did you know that? That God's will for you is good and pleasing and perfect. But you will not be able to see it until you change your perspective. And I want to tell you something today. This has everything to do with where we're going in this series. Because we're going to hold up the issues of the day, what's in the newspaper, and we're going to hold it right up to God's word tense, difficult issues, issues of race, issues of, of, of what's happening in politics, issues of what's happening in war and terror, things that I know are going to challenge us, but here's what we need to remember. We're not looking for the world's perspective. We're looking for his perspective, and that's going to be our goal, and as we begin to allow that to happen, then do you know what happens as a result of it? That our lives begin to change and be reshaped and reformed. 
when we talk about the idea of kingdom living, here's what it means, is that our lives become aligned to the values of the kingdom of God. That your life begins to become shaped by the values of the kingdom of God. Jesus taught those very clearly. He taught them in the Sermon on the Mount. He spent his ministry telling people about the kingdom of God, not just so that they could look forward to it, but so they could embrace and live by those values today. So when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not just praying this flowery prayer. We're praying, Lord, make us those people whose lives have been shaped by the things that break your heart, the things that make your heart passionate, the things that you love. Lord, make me love those things. May my heart, may my life be shaped by the values of your kingdom. That's what we mean when we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know why? Because Jesus has founded the church, and I believe that the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. Not evangel church, the church. And the church that preaches the good news of Jesus Christ and wants to walk in his power and might, that is the hope of the world. If you want to find hope, you don't need to go to anyone else. You come to the Lord himself. And he's the one who brings you that hope, our King and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's what it means. You see, the kingdom, any kingdom, it takes on the shape of its king. <laughs> the king is the one that changes the culture, shapes the culture, creates the values. Jesus taught the values of the kingdom of God. And we need, church, to get those values in us. If that is our true home, if this is just temporary, then we live by those values, not these values in this world. Are you with me today? We live by values of our king, of our Lord, of our Savior. That is what shapes our lives. And if we learn to walk in it, it changes everything. But the first thing that has to change is our perspective. So would you stand with me this morning? How can we apply this word to our lives? The first thing you do is you need to say, Lord, how can I have your perspective? How can I set my eyes and my sights on the heavenly places? On Instead of being buried into screens and into what's happening in the world around me, Lord, may I come into your presence. This week, may the pressures that you face, the stresses, drive you into further intimacy with the Lord. Would, can, you, can we just make that commitment, church, before the Lord that as we feel the stress, as we feel the anxiety, as we feel those things, instead of responding to it, instead of bearing ourselves away from it, will we just run to our Father in heaven? Will we spend time in the Word? Will we spend time just seeking Him in prayer? Will we spend time just worshiping Him? Listen, putting on worship music, just spending time in his presence and see what that does for this week. Another way you can apply this is to, to actually begin to get into some form of community, group, join a group in this church. Get into a Bible study, get into a ministry, get into something beyond Sunday morning. And one of the greatest places for you to step right in is we're going to launch a small group series season that's not going to begin today. It's going to begin next Sunday. So we're going to have small groups meeting almost on every night of the week. It's a great chance for you to connect, and it's going to go right along with this sermon series. And we're going to not just be hearing about the message, but you're going to have opportunities as a small group to serve together, to actually put into practice some of the great things that we're going to be sharing through God's Word. So we want you to get signed up. You should have that in your bulletin today. Let that be one of the ways that you apply God's Word to your life today. It's saying, you know what, Lord? I'm not just going to show up on Sundays. I'm going to take that next step into groups. I'm going to get connected to the community of faith. Amen? So that's going to be it. And as you do that, and as we walk, we just allow, Lord, change my perspective. That's your prayer today. That's your prayer as you go. And as we come back, 
next week, we're going to continue on in this journey through it. So I want to pray for you today. And would you just um, take a posture of prayer wherever you are? And for some of you, would you take a posture of surrender just before the Lord? Perhaps something today has challenged you in your walk with God. Perhaps something has even convicted you. The goal isn't to condemn or to make you feel bad. But um, when we come to God's word, we want our lives to be different as a result of what the Lord has for us. Lord, we come to you, Lord. We, we even repent of the fact that we have often allowed our eyes to be in all the wrong places. Lord, there's some here today, Lord, that they feel the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, showing them that perhaps they've been looking in the wrong places, even living in the wrong place. And Lord, you're going to lift them out of that place. And so, Lord, may it begin by our eyes, our perspective being changed. Lord, move us. Move us to a place, Lord God, where we're passionate about your presence, where we want to see you high and lifted up, Lord God, where we don't get as caught up in the things of this world as we do in you and what you're doing and what you desire to shape in us, Lord God. Lord, allow us not to be shaped by this world, but to be those that go out into this world and the culture changes because of the presence of the Holy Spirit that is in us. Lord, I pray today, Lord God, for every person within the sound of my voice that today would be a day of complete freedom, Lord God, where their life would begin to change and would begin by the perspective being transformed. Lord, help us, as your word says, to set our eyes on the things above, Lord God. Help us not to dwell on the earthly things, but on the heavenly things, Lord. Help us to realize that our life, the old life, it's dead, Lord God. The new life, the real life, is hidden in heaven with you, Lord God. Help us to realize that today this life and these trials it's just a stamp, Lord God. But our true citizenship is in heaven. And Lord, we desire today to follow you with everything that we have, Lord God. Help us not just to be hearers of your word. Doers of your word today is what we pray, Lord. Help us to put it into practice to begin to live out the values of your kingdom. Lord, just as your word says, seek first the kingdom and your righteousness and all these things will be added, Lord God. We commit as a body to seek first your kingdom in these weeks to come and we ask you to do a work of transformation in us and through us in Jesus name amen amen God is good we're going to uh we're going to have a time at the altars here just to kind of respond to what God's been doing today if you need prayer in your body and and you would like to come forward, you need just someone to agree with you in prayer. I'm going to invite our altar workers if you'd come. We have a prayer team that will be here in the front. Uh, we're going to go into another song of worship. You're free to just stay and worship with us or head out into the foyer and get involved. Pick up shoe boxes, get into a group, get signed up for some of the great ways you can continue to connect in the body. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.